Isaiah chapter 7. We'll begin reading at verse 10. Let's read together the word of the Lord. Then the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Make it deep as Sheol, or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Then he said, Listen now, O house of David. Is it too slight a thing for you to try the patience of men, that you will try the patience of my God as well? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. Lord, thank you for your presence. Now open our hearts that we may hear and receive what the Spirit will say in the midst of the preaching today. I lift up other life-giving churches, and I pray blessing upon them. I pray for our loved ones not walking in right relationship with you, and especially for sons and daughters who have wandered from the faith. I pray that you will draw them so that not one of them will be lost. And Lord, today especially, I want to thank you for the privilege of being here as the pastor of this church. Thank you for the people who are here. And I pray that you will give attention to the concerns that are on their heart today. And that you'll extend the grace of your help right where they need you the most. I pray these things in the only name that matters. The matchless name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Every year when the Advent season rolls around, there are three words that capture my attention like no other. Three words that evoke a sense of wonder and amazement that takes the breath away. Three words that fire the imagination. Three words that transport us out of the realm of the natural into the sublime reaches of the supernatural. Three words that cancel fear, transcend defeat, and inspire courage and confidence. Three words that cause us to lift our hands in praise and drive us to our knees in humble worship. Three words that are the meaning of the name the prophet foretold of the promised hope of the world, Emmanuel, God with us. These three words form one of the most impacting statements that could ever be made and could ever be received. It's a proclamation that is brimming with potential and pregnant with possibilities. God with us. Too many fail to recognize the dynamic of that proclamation because they don't really have a true understanding of the subject. There's a statement I've made before in preaching from this pulpit. By the way, I had no idea I had been in this pulpit that many times. <laughs> I got tired just listening about it. I've made this statement before in preaching that many of you will recognize if you've heard me preach for very long and you've been paying attention. 
I say it to you again today because I want to impress it upon your spirit in such a way that you will begin to behave like you believe it. Here's a statement. If you really knew who your God is, you'd stop running from your devils. Science tells us that everything that exists had a beginning point. If you're able to go back in time, back, back, back to the very beginning when time began and space was established and matter was created, and if you were somehow able to pull back the curtain and look just beyond that beginning point in the vast reaches of eternity past without any beginning always existing, there you would find God. It is this all-powerful, all-knowing, all-sufficient God who stepped out on nothing and exclaimed, let there be. His voice rang like a thunderclap through the void and time was born. Space was established. Matter was formed. The universe exploded into existence from the creative word of an eternal God. God, the first cause of all that exists. God, the omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient one who stands apart from and rules over time, space, and matter. God, the light that dispels darkness. God, the hope that cancels despair. God, the love that conquers evil. God, the peace that calms chaos. God, the joy that reverses sorrow. God, the power that defeats adversity. God, the bridge over troubled waters. God, the way when there is no way. God, the help in time of need. God, the unfathomable. God, the almighty. God, the holy. God, the righteous. God, the just. God, the faithful. God, the gracious. God, the merciful. God, the comforter. God, the provider. God, the restorer. God, the healer. God, the keeper. God, the sustainer. God, the magnificent. God, the majestic. God, the glorious. This is the God of Emmanuel. This is the God who is with us. When you understand something about God, then the next dilemma is to try to wrap your mind around the concept that God is with. There's a great theological word that captures the essence of this idea. It's the word incarnation. This is the message spoken through the prophet in the name Emmanuel. It's the revelation that God became man. God miraculously clothed himself in flesh and was born as a baby in a manger in the little town of Bethlehem. God came to this earth and revealed himself as Jesus, the only begotten Son of God. God, not some impersonal force. God, not some abstract concept. 
God, not some distant, uninvolved deity, but now God up close, God entering our world, God becoming personally involved in this world he created. Think about it. God with us. God with us. And then the final piece falls into place when the prophet says he is God with us. One of the things we celebrate in both word and song during this season is that Jesus was born in a stable in Bethlehem. What an interesting place for God to enter this world. You don't usually think of a stable as a place for royalty or people of power and influence or people of importance, much less for the great God of the universe. <laughs> Stables aren't the most sanitary places. Stables aren't known for their comfort. Stables have a reputation for being drafty, cold, and foul-smelling. I don't know about you, but I'm glad Emmanuel wasn't born in a palace. I'm glad Emmanuel was born in a stable because that lets me know that the God who is with us is willing to be with me even when I may find myself in places that are difficult and dirty and uncomfortable and foul. The proclamation of Emmanuel says that the incarnate God is with you. He's with you in your joy. He's with you in your triumphs. He's with you in your successes. He is with you when you're at your best. The proclamation of Emmanuel also says he is with you in your sorrow. He is with you in your loneliness. He is with you in your fear. He is with you in your failure. He is with you in your frustration. He is with you in your pain. He is with you in your heartache. He is with you in your desperation. He is with you when you're at your worst. I'm not certain that the prophet understood the magnitude of this name when he made this proclamation. I'm not certain that Mary and Joseph or the shepherds or, or even the angels understood everything they were seeing when they knelt before the manger on the night Jesus was born. But as we look back through the telescope of time from our vantage point, we're able to grasp something of the significance of his name, Emmanuel, God with us. See, Emmanuel, first of all, means that he is a living presence. If you place your finger at any point on the timeline of history, there you will find the Lord living in the present tense. He's never used to be. He's never, wait until you get to this point and I will be. He is always, I am. Before the beginning of time, space, and matter that comprise the components of this universe, there is God, present tense, I am. When Moses wants to know his name so he can tell the children of Israel who has sent him as their deliverer, God says, tell them, I am has sent you. 
when Jesus is before the Pharisees and they're claiming to be special because they're the sons of Abraham. <laughs> Jesus answers them and says, ah, oh, you don't understand. Before Abraham was, I am. What that means to you today is that this great God of the universe is a God of the right now. He isn't a washed-up has-been. He isn't an out-of-touch, senile old man. He isn't weary and worn and wasted away to a shell of his former self. He isn't a deceased God who used to be. He isn't a fantasy or a figment of an overworked imagination. He isn't a carved image of corruptible wood. He isn't a molded idol of destructible metal. He is a living presence. And because he is a living presence... He feels your pain. He sees your trouble. He understands your loneliness. He has compassion for your despair. When you reach out and touch him, he isn't cold and indifferent, but he's warm and embracing. He is a living Lord. The prophet declared in Isaiah 59 and 1, Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, neither is his ear so dull that it cannot hear. He himself declares in Exodus 3, 7, that he has seen your affliction. He has heard your cries of distress. He knows your suffering. And now he is come down to deliver you. I'm telling you, he isn't just the God of creation. He isn't just the God of history. He isn't just the God of the patriarchs. He isn't just the God of the prophets. But he's your God. You may not be able to see any evidence of it. But he is involved in what's going on in your life right now. Because he's a right now God. Emmanuel declares that he is a living presence. Emmanuel also declares that he is a loving presence. When the Lord spoke through the prophet, he said that the name of this promised child to be born would be Emmanuel, which means God with us. That was perhaps the most beautiful expression of love this world has ever known. You know, one of the deepest cries of the human heart is the one that asks, what is God like? And in response to that need to discover and know him, God revealed himself in many different ways. But no matter how he spoke, humanity didn't really understand. We didn't understand him when he spoke from the top of Mount Sinai in thunder and smoke and fire. We didn't understand when he tried to reveal himself in mighty acts of nature. We didn't understand when he showed his glory in the cloud and the pillar of fire as he led his people in the wilderness. We didn't understand the revelation of God through the law. We didn't understand the revelation of God through the sacrifices. We didn't understand the revelation of God through the message of the prophets. It seemed that humanity was forever destined to miss God's best because we couldn't understand him. God is love, but we saw him as harsh and severe. God is good. But we saw him as jealous and vengeful. God is kind. But we saw him as demanding. And just when it seemed that man and God would never get together, the angel appeared to a virgin girl in Nazareth. She miraculously conceived through the power of the Holy Spirit. The decree was issued by Caesar Augustus. The journey to Bethlehem was completed. The angel chorus sang, the shepherds came running, the star appeared, the wise men traveled from the east, a manger became a cradle, a smelly stall became a holy sanctuary, 
and Emmanuel became a loving presence through the birth of Jesus. God took it upon himself to provide a means whereby for the first time in history we could really understand what God is like. That's the meaning of Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. He, the Son, is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. The name of the child in the manger is Emmanuel, God with us. So if you want to know what God is like, look at this child. That's why Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, that you may be able to understand the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of the love of Christ. The breadth of his love is that God so loved the world. We sang about it just a little while ago. The length of his love is that he gave his only begotten son. The height of his love is that whosoever believes in him. And the depth of his love is should not perish, but have everlasting life. I tell you, he is moved with compassion by your hurts. He is the miracle worker who relieves suffering. He is condemning of sin, but always accepting of the sinner. He is meek and lowly in heart. He is faithful and true. He is a friend to the poor. He is a healer of broken hearts. He is so full of love that he is not willing for anyone to perish. So he freely gave himself as the final once and for all payment and went to the cross and took your place and paid the penalty for your sin. He is so filled with love that he became sin for you in order that you might become the righteousness of God in him. He is so filled with love that when the executioner came for you and when the curse of sin was about to be manifested in your life and when you were supposed to die, he became the substitute and died in your place. In place of a curse, he gave a blessing. In place of a cross, he gave a crown. In place of a burial shroud, he gave a robe of righteousness. In place of a grave, he gave a heavenly home. In place of death, he gave eternal life. He is a loving presence that reaches to you no matter where you are, no matter what you've been, no matter what you've done. Because of his love, he is moved with compassion when you hurt. He is patient when you stumble. Anybody thankful for his patience? He extends grace and mercy and invites whosoever will to come and find fulfillment and contentment in him. Because of his love, he brings all of his power all of his deliverance, all of his life into your heart that is wounded and broken. He extends his arms toward you and he releases his power within you because of his love. Here's what he says to you. Be clean, be strong, be free, be comforted, be not afraid, be encouraged, be whole. Not because of anything that is in you, but because I am with you. Emmanuel is a proclamation of a living presence. Emmanuel is the proclamation of a loving presence. Finally, I want you to see that Emmanuel is the proclamation of a lasting presence. See, his living and loving would be irrelevant were it not for the fact that it is also lasting. Emmanuel, God with us, is a promise that begins in the decree of God... It proceeds from the mouth of the prophet. It finds fulfillment in the manger. 
It reaches to disciples gathered on the side of a mountain. It is affirmed in the mouth of angelic messengers. And it extends all the way to where you are. God with us means that right now, in the midst of your doubts and questions, the Lord is with you. Right now, when the stress seems unbearable, the Lord is with you. Right now, when the frustrations are mounting, the Lord is with you. Right now, when it hurts too much to function, the Lord is with you. Right now, when you feel lonely and afraid and abandoned, the Lord is with you. Right now, when you don't know what tomorrow will bring, the Lord is with you. Not only is he with you right now, but tomorrow and the day after and the day after that, when it, whenever you feel forgotten, whenever you feel forsaken, whenever you think you can't go another step, you can draw upon his strength and his help, for the Lord is with you. He never gives up on you. He never goes away in disgust because of your lack of ability. He never gets so tired of you stumbling that he refuses to help anymore. He never throws up his hands and quits. He never walks out on you. Listen, listen, in your home as you sit in your recliner, in your automobile as you travel down the highway, on your job as you sit at your desk, in your school as you walk the halls, at all times, in all places, no matter what life throws at you, the Lord is with you always. Oh, please get that today. His promise is Psalm 27 and 10. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. His promise is Proverbs 18 and 24. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. His promise is Genesis 28 and 15. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Excuse me, Bob, I shout just a moment about that. I'm about to get happy. Somebody grab hold of that. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. His promise is Exodus 33 and 14. My presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. His promise is Isaiah 43 and 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. His promise is Isaiah 43 and 5. Do not fear, for I am with you. His promise is Matthew 28 and 20. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Emmanuel, God with us, means that he is here right now, ready to come into your world. He's ready to transform your smelly place into a holy place. He's ready to transform your life into something that has meaning and purpose, something, something with a future and a destiny and a hope. 
What I sense the Lord wanting to say to someone today is to simply remind you that you are not alone. You do not have to face the rest of today and the rest of your tomorrows alone. Emmanuel has come. The Lord is with you. His presence is a living presence. It is a loving presence. And thank God it is a lasting presence. If you're struggling, if you're hurting, reach out to him. He's right there with you, never leaving, constantly abiding, an ever-present help in time of need and trouble. Let me tell you, the beginning place for Emmanuel to be with you is for you to surrender your life to him. I may be talking to somebody who's never done that. If so, this invitation is for you. It doesn't have to be any big fanfare, but just in the quietness of your heart. Just simply make a decision that from this day forward, you're going to follow Jesus. And when you do that, you can receive the gift of Emmanuel in you this Advent season. He will transform your life from the inside out. He will be with you always. He'll never leave you. He'll abide with you and in you from this day forward. Maybe I'm talking to somebody who has already prayed a prayer of surrender to him, but somewhere along the way you've drifted from that commitment. Today is the day he's calling for you to return. And I tell you, when you do, you'll find acceptance. You'll find healing for your hurting heart find grace to help where you need it most. Bow with me for just a moment, would you please? Maybe you'll want to say something in your heart, a prayer that something like this. Oh Lord, I confess my need for you. I've gone my way instead of your way. I've ignored your plan for my life. So I'm asking you to forgive me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Change me from the inside out. Make me new. And I'll live for you. Lord, there's somebody praying right now. I've already prayed that prayer, but, but I realize that I haven't really been walking in agreement with your will for my life. So today, I want to recommit. I rededicate myself to you. I take a fresh run at it. I can't do it by myself. I've already tried that. I know that I'm doomed to failure if I try that. So help me, Lord Jesus. I give myself to you. And I thank you for the promise of your word that you will receive me. You'll not cast me aside. And you will be with me from this day forward. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Maybe your need isn't for salvation or for a renewal of your commitment to follow Jesus. Maybe you, you have some place, though, where you need his help. I want to pray with you as well. I want to believe that the God who is with you is going to manifest his help right at the point of your need. So would you stand with me, please?
while our heads are bowed for just a moment, would you just allow me to do this one more thing? If you're here today and you say, Pastor John, there's just a place where I feel a special need for the Lord's help right now. There's something going on in my life. There's a place in my life or there's something happening in, in my circle. I really need God's help here. I need his touch. I need, I need his grace to be extended here. If that's you, would you just put your hand up so I can see who you are, so I know who I'm praying with. Thank you. Father, <laughs> touch your people today. Some of us, Lord, are facing some things that in the natural they are absolutely impossible. We have no earthly idea what step to take next. We are at a complete impasse. So, Lord, I pray that you will supernaturally come on the scene and manifest yourself in all of your grace, in all of your glory, and turn this around for my brother and my sister that is sharing with me in this prayer right now. Touch them, O oh Lord. Touch the situation. Get in the mix of it, I pray. Reveal yourself one more time. We desperately need you, Lord. We cannot do it ourselves. Thank you for hearing our prayer. Lord, we're going to praise you and we're going to trust you even before we see and hear about anything happening in a positive direction. We're just going to trust you. We're going to believe that you are indeed with us. Father, I pray that you will help your people to experience that one more time, to see and feel and know that you are with us. Thank you for hearing our prayer. Thank you for hearing our prayer. 